Welcome to the Congress of the Spirits, a poetry ritual and performance. We wanted to create a sacred space in the airways for us to commune in, focusing on nourishing our depleted spirits with poetry that stimulates the imagination and crosses over into the dream world in which we can imagine a better future. I am so excited that this ritual and reading is finally happening, Anar. We've been talking about it for so long now. It's just amazing how it's come together, too. Especially pandemic time is very different than than, uh, previous lifetime. And I'm so grateful for us all being able to join each other. Yeah, I really love this idea of communing in the airwaves. And since we can't be at AWP in person this year and we will miss out on the readings that we love to curate and attend, um, you know, it's it's been interesting, like you mentioned during the pandemic, how we've had to improvise and create new ways to be together And this is one of them. So, you know, I think this is going to be really amazing and I'm excited to share it with everyone. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, you and I had this really beautiful conversation about ritual and how it differs from routine Mm -hmm. and how much more freedom we find in ritual, creatively, spiritually, emotionally. And one of the places where I personally started thinking about ritual and then it began to bleed into my creative rituals to make you know design work to edit to write um one of the first places where I started to explore ritual was in my sleep routine which is what I used to call it yes please tell us about your sleep routine Anar so once I abandoned the word routine and adopted ritual is when I kind of began to sleep like a baby in a deep sleep. Um, We know babies sometimes don't sleep great. Like a good baby. (laughs) A good baby. And what I love about the concept of ritual is that it's kind of indulgent, but we deserve to be indulgent. And so I have like a really rich bath and my skincare rituals of moisturizers and oils. Mm -hmm. I always make a tea. I take delight in pouring honey into that tea. Um, It's even something as simple as like, I really love my dental floss. (laughs) And to create space for that is so nice. And, you know, diffusing essential oils. And my favorite, a spritz of my mother's perfume because my mom was so fancy that she didn't wear perfume out. She wore perfume to bed. I love that idea so, so much because it's for you. And I love the idea that the perfume is just like scenting your your dream life as opposed to your waking life. It's so wonderful. So all of these elements slowly... As I've been putting a new element to my bedtime ritual, my like sleep has become so much better. And for the first time in years, I'm sleeping like my full nine hours instead of my half-assed nine hours. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love that it's nine because, as you know, I'm right there with you. Um, and mm. sleep is important. You said indulgent earlier, and perhaps they seem that way, but making sure that you sleep well is crucial to mm. life. Yes. What are some special rituals that you welcome into your life, Claire? I certainly have a lot of tea in my life. And <laughs> and I do find that like for every specific little ritual I have, um, there's a tea that goes along with it. So I have specific teas I like to write while drinking because um, mm -hmm. they're really like invigorating and stimulating to the mind. So I love green teas and this tea that I'm drinking right now, actually, which is called White Magic, which wow. comes from the Steeping Room in Austin, Texas. And it's a white tea with vanilla and orange blossom and almond. Mm. It's really, really special. Um, so yes, tea everywhere in my life. And then when we were talking about ritual, as you said, at the end of the year, um, I actually started a new ritual that I do nightly, which is a very short meditation. It has to be at least five minutes, but often it's longer. But I do a short meditation each night before I go to bed. And after the meditation, I write one page. So I have this special journal that you gifted me. <laughs> yeah, in it, I write one page after my meditation, which... You know, it's not always, meditation isn't always great. Sometimes it brings up a lot of stuff I'd rather not think about or confront, but I have found it to be such a grounding nightly ritual. And if I miss a day, I feel really off. So I think it's helping me in some mysterious way. Wow. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's been great. I definitely was so inspired by our conversation of ritual and and what meditation has done for you, mm -hmm. um, that we were like, we have to bring some of this energy to one of the podcasts. And then AWP was looming, and then the sadness of not being able to come together for AWP. Yeah. And now we're here. And I love that idea we were talking about of ritual as like a frame around these more ethereal concepts of creativity and and especially when writing things like poetry. Um, it's nice to have a sort of order of operations. Like you're a Capricorn, you love that. I have a ton of Capricorn in my chart. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm pretty into it as well. But it sounds like you're actually putting restrictions on yourself by doing the same thing every night at the same time or every time you write having the same little order of operations that you go through. But really, there's some strange magic in it. Um, yeah. And creating the frame is part of what helps the like ethereal poetry stuff to have a container to burst through. So hopefully that's what we're about to do today. Yeah. <laughs> Before we officially start, Claire, would you like to introduce us to the poets that are featured in the Congress of the Spirits? I would love to. Our featured readers are Lily Somerson, Taisia Kataiskaya, Heather Crystal, Claude Cardona, Belita Hicks, and Dorothea Lasky. So before we introduce our magical lineup of poets, we are going to guide you through a short ritual 
in order to enter this virtual and imaginative space with us so that we can share in the experience of poetry together. If you have these things or some of these things on hand, please gather a scented item that brings you comfort, a scrap of paper and a writing utensil, and a candle. Find a comfortable posture in which you can best receive poetry. This could be a seated posture, lying down, soaking in the bathtub even. Wherever you feel most open and receptive. We are simply here to prepare our minds and our spirits for poetry. Begin by closing your eyes. Take a deep breath in for three seconds. Hold at the top. And then exhale for three seconds. If you have a candle, light it and place it in front of you, perhaps on a small altar. You can gaze at it from time to time to keep your mind present in this space. Bring your scent item to your nose and breathe in deeply. Exhale slowly. Keep this item nearby so that you may smell it whenever you like during this ritual to keep your mind in this space and to bring you comfort. With eyes closed, imagine a threshold. It could be an open door, the mouth of a cave, a welcoming ring of light around a bonfire at night. Wherever you find yourself, whether it's outdoors or indoors, imagine that there is a starry night sky above you. Now imagine yourself crossing the threshold, stepping into the space of this reading. We are here with you, gathered in silence. We circle around to listen, to let poetry envelop us like violet smoke. Imagine the faces around you in this Congress of Spirits, the faces of the poets who are here to bring us closer to poetry's warming fire, the faces of the fellow listeners here to commune with you in the sacred act of receiving poetry. The faces of the people who have entered this space before you and who will meet here after you are gone. Take another deep inhale. And as you exhale, notice the way it feels to be here in your body. The places where you hold your pain your warmth, your dreams. Whatever you hold, we welcome it. In this moment, in this communal space, 
What is one hope that you have for the future? Open your eyes. Take your writing utensil in hand and write the hope that came to mind. It can be a single word or a phrase. Whatever jumps out of the flame, keep this scrap of paper near you throughout the reading. Welcome to the Congress of the Spirits. Our first reader is Lily Somerson. Lily Somerson is a poet and essayist from Chicago. She has obtained a BA in poetry from Columbia College, Chicago, and is a winner of the 2020 Eileen Lannan Prize with the Academy of American Poets, as well as the Host Publications Chapbook Prize. She has been published or is forthcoming in Court Green, Curiosity, and Columbia Poetry Review, among others. She is currently a first-year poetry MFA student at Vanderbilt University and an assistant poetry editor of the Nashville Review. Some of Lily's favorite rituals include grocery shopping, antiquing, postcard collecting, and visiting Lake Michigan on warm summer mornings. Hello everyone, my name is Lily Somerson and I am so happy and so excited to be here on the host podcast with you all, especially with all of these wonderful readers and poets. I'm just so happy to be sharing space with all of you and have the opportunity to read. I am really excited also about this theme of going inward and ritual and thinking about that it feels very right right now. So yeah, I'll be reading three poems for you all today, one of which is from my chapbook with host publications called Mistaken for Loud Comments. So thank you all for listening and uh, being here with me. Concerning the UFO sighting near Edinburgh Correctional Facility. Suddenly at dusk, everyone's fathers float out of their jail cells, all locks grown long again, their concrete ceilings opened up, beaming towards the heavens. It's some sort of rapture floating wildly above our heads, unidentified objects, orange birds of paradise dotting the horizon, father as in sky ballet, father as in never in the wrong place, at the wrong time, boots lofty like there is so much to celebrate. All of the police have never seen a gun. They don't say a damn thing. Fathers doing somersaults, shackles nowhere. Men mistaken for loud comets. Midwest America pointing upwards. Look, a second chance. A Doppler of white light. Some blinking oblivion to witness and tell our children about. And... My next one is called Portrait of House with Visitor. Uh, a lot of these poems are surrounding my father and um, his existence in my life. Uh, he was incarcerated for about 15 years, so the chapbook is mostly about him, and I feel like a lot of my poetry orbits that subject matter. So 
Portrait of House with Visitor. I invite my father to sit down in the poem. I ask him if God exists in captivity. I invite him into my space, which is to say we are near one another for the first time. I would like to build a room without a steel mouth. I invite him in, holes in his pants, punctured stars. A room with a stained glass window. We talk about normal things like normal people. A breakfast nook then, little salt and pepper shakers, a kitschy tablecloth. I ask, are the windows too small? He whispers, to be black is to know death. He was in solitary for six months. My face, uncanny valley as he struggles to look at me. Our noses are the same, carved flat on round faces. I build, make the house bigger, less claustrophobic. I paste him into photo albums. A living room, then. A vintage chaise lounge, orchids on the coffee table, decadence. In the house, he talks slowly, measuring his life. They cut his locks in prison. In the poem, they're still here, but we have to pretend. He is 20 years younger. We paint murals in the living room. We cook his mother's recipe for cornbread. We fight over the remote. We bicker about the news like real people do. I build him new locks, new head for them to rest on, a body that was born free. I sew his pants, corduroys worn from walking, gardening, going to the store for milk. I'm playing God. We're still in the house, remember? We have to pretend. I paint the poem white with blue shutters. I choose the furniture for him to sit on, a new bed, white sheets with purple violets, no metal in sight. I build a poem around him, a world without confinement, yellow light, through a screen door, the outside mocking us with its magnitude. And this is my last one, so thank you all for listening. Um, I made a mistake. I said that two of these were new, but actually this one is the new one, Um, the only new one. So this is called Last Night I Dreamt of Your Hands, ending with Guitar Wail. In the hospital room, you tell me you're sorry, And I keep imagining little boats off in the distance, purple water over a bay somewhere in Texas as you tell me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When you had good hands, you were an oil painter, locks and a long braid down your back, nights spent studying hieroglyphics in the Sistine Chapel, art books by candlelight when the light bill wasn't paid, but we're still in the hospital room, and I keep saying, hi, dad, and you're all, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for not being there in fluorescent lights, in paper gowns, and I'm trying to remember what there is to be sorry about, 
looking through your face like a convex mirror of my own, how you painted Lake Michigan on the backs of napkins, laughing with your whole body, building cathedrals in Gary and coming home to dance in the living room, spinning me on tiptoes to your favorites, maggot brain on the record player, that soft wail of grief, but we're still in the hospital and there is so much I want to ask you. So instead, I will watch the stars over Texas like blinking bulbs into nothingness, your eyes fluttering as if you might wake, but won't, won't ever. And I want to gift you a new life somehow, all luster and fairness and what you deserve, the things that good endings are made of. But I only have these hands, urgent and stupid, all red and blue siren lights, the whine of emergency, like bird shriek, like calamity, like I'm mad at God and have nothing to show for it. Taisya Kitaiskaya is the author of four books, The Nightgown and Other Poems, Literary Witches, A Celebration of Magical Women Writers, a collaboration with artist Katie Haran and an NPR Best Book of 2017, and Ask Baba Yaga, Otherworldly Advice for Everyday Troubles, as well as its follow-up, Poetic Remedies for Troubled Times, from Ask Baba Yaga. She is the recipient of fellowships from the James A. Michener Center for Writers and the Corporation of Yado. On Ritual, Taisya says, I have a small wooden fairy door against a big bald cypress in the yard. On special occasions, I'll leave a note or talisman behind the door. I'll begin with a poem about poetry community. It is called Bog People. I miss how our poems would huddle together at the imaginary buffet not eating, bowing their heads in, wool coats making a village. Today, I hand out glitter crowns to beggars. Tomorrow, we're bog-bound, throats cut, noose tied, snacks for the spring goddess. That's all right. Spring was always biggest. Not the current you, but the forever ago potato I miss. Now you're a friend. But once you were the past, tinseled, storied, nosing with desire, happy shit thawing in the park. Our poems are dog's mercury, bracken, sinkfoil, goosefoot, next to we, the faceless Danes. No personality, I want to be the fungi crackling between trees, the secret death coin in a Viking's ear. 
duck, handsome, with blood, enough for everyone. Let's meet for breakfast and shout, we are the meat. No fear, just springtime, and our bones marking the outlines of the village. Okay, and now one of my more festive poems, such as it is uh, a wedding poem. It's called 12 Days of Wedding. How you grow my hairs from your own body. How you pull them out until I am nothing. How my love transpires into wind. At the deep of me is a graveyard of live cabbages. The cabbages are so good, especially in the sea hour. Their scales slink dangerous as your feral cat garden. Our wedding gifts have long, worn monkey arms. They swat from the branches. The antelopes in my eyes feed and feed on your beauty. Your beauty is catching. All my antelopes are on fire and ruined. The future wears furs, carries an icicle. Open her robe and you'll see her body is a dull knife, her heart a bell jar beating with a clock. She bites us open. My cabbages moan and swim back to the sea. I have no dead yet. My net teams with splendid fish. It is heavy to have so much. Heavy to eat so many feasts before they spoil. And lastly, a little spell poem. Good night, soliloquy. Oven off. TV stilled. Spine blind. Roots told. Fly drowned. Fields molten. Tired of feeling everything. The lake takes no more prisoners. May ancient wars travel your brow. May the skulls of jaguars call you with their emperors. 
green nerves, liquid tesseracts, goodness spooling. May you wake bellied, deserted, years gathered, feet mended, being steeled, guardian howled, emerge from the milky eye, held as you are by no one in particular, loose in the hands. Heather Crystal is the author of four poetry collections, most recently Heliopause. Her first work of nonfiction, The Crying Book, was published in 2019, with translations now appearing in many languages throughout Europe and Asia. She teaches creative writing at Emory University. Heather says, My favorite ritual is taking a nap, which I do every day. I do not mean to sound flippant. I cannot imagine how I could maintain waking consciousness and awareness of the world without that intervening rest. Hi, this is Heather Crystal. I'm going to read three poems from my next book. and The first one's called Suggested Donation. In the morning, I drink coffee until I can see a way to love life again. It's okay. There's no difference between flying and thinking you're flying until you land. Somehow I own like six nail clippers and I honestly can't remember ever buying even one. My sister came to visit and saw them in a small wooden bowl. I heard her laughing in the bathroom. I hope she never dies. There's no harm in hoping until you land. The deer are awake. Is one pregnant? If they kept diaries, the first entry would read, was born, was licked, tried walking. Then they'd walk away, and no second entry would ever exist. I run the deer's archive. It's very light work. Visitors must surrender their belongings. Surrender to me your beautiful shirt. This next one's called Shelter in Place. A tornado is when the wind opens the door to your house and closes it in the lake. A cyclone is some kind of milkshake, I think. I think with candy inside. I know someone who made a milkshake for her babies made of meat. When you write a book, you must not forget to build a door you can use to get out or else you will die there. It is very exciting to make a new mistake. Every time I turn on the blender, I am afraid the blade will spin out through the glass and on through my stomach, but still I keep using it, mostly for soups and sometimes for smoothies, a word I would rather not speak. I'm not brave, but I am hungry, and the wind has taken my teeth. This last poem is called Far-Fetched versus Far-Flung. If a glowing door were to appear in the air, would you step through it and out of your life? 
I pretend to be stern with myself, like I once pretended my dark blue skirt was a uniform we all wore at the chalet school, where if we got lost in various Alps, we ate chocolate and tinned tongue until someone brought us home. In 1921, a Serbian poet imagined the invention of a plane as small as a butterfly and marveled. He had just come home from the war. I ordered potassium tablets from Amazon in case of nuclear war because I have a great imagination. If the glowing door were to appear, I'd tell you all about it. I would miss my life. Thank you. Claude Cardona is a queer poet from San Antonio. Her chapbook, What Remains, is a collection of poems about longing and loving as a Chicana in Texas. Cardona is also the co-editor of Inferialista Review, a publication for Texan writers. Her rituals include burning letters full of wishes under the full moon, leaving offerings on her altar, and always offering her friends three-card tarot readings. Hello, this is Claude Cardona, and I'm going to read a couple of poems that have to do with dreaming and ritual in some way. I do believe that poems are certainly a way of spell-making, prayer-making, and rituals, and through poetry we can really enact our desires and create worlds, um, maybe perhaps create a world we want to see for ourselves and our desires manifested. So I believe it's very powerful to do poem making in that sense. Um, this first poem I'm going to start with is titled Pisces Heart. It's true. There is an altar in my bedroom dedicated to every person I have loved. I spend most days praying to mid-July makeouts by the car, hands stuck in hair, mouths greedy like slot machines. Each moment is melted chocolate, not of gold necklaces in the throat. Yes, this all lives inside me, and it feels as if I do not have a choice. My heart is constantly at H-E-B, running into X's down every aisle, in my dreams, I visit all my lovers, wear red heels caked in mud and a crown of white roses, dance while the disco ball winks at me. When I wake, my body feels heavy like telephone wire while I tuck away all the details of my dreams, like the leftover tortillas my grandmother rolled up in her purse. She'd look at my mother and say, para mas tarde. The second poem I'm going to read is titled Morning Ritual, and both of these poems are published in my chapbook, What Remains. So this is Morning Ritual. One, while you wait for water to boil, think of the first time. The night you asked if he had a favorite from Joni Mitchell's Blue, how he said the first one, said I'm really into first songs, and asked if you had any tattoos. How you peeled back your skirt like an orange to show him where you wanted your first. Two, think of how he looked, 
his eyes half shut like waxing crescent moons, and how he asked if you could show him again, and you did. The bar bench was damp, and your shoes touched his like magnets. Three. Play Chris Isaac's wicked game. Four. Remember how you both sang so close to each other's faces that you end up kissing on your friend's couch. The banner above your scalps read, Fire, walk with me. Five. Remember how he took off his shirt like you were in a movie and how he wrapped you in a blanket and said he had to leave. Six. Think of the moment between kissing him and not kissing him and how you want to live there. Seven. Remember that you already live there. Eight. Your whole life is that moment between kissing and not kissing him. Nine. Stare out the sliding door until the sky turns to bright blue tissue paper, until the steam and whistle pulls your head apart like a wishbone. Thank you so much for listening. Felita Hicks is an activist, writer, and interdisciplinary artist. They are the former editor-in-chief of Borderlands, Texas Poetry Review, and the author of Hoodwitch, Acre Books 2019, a finalist for the 2020 Lambda Literary Award for Bisexual Poetry. They have been awarded fellowships and residencies from Tin House, Lambda Literary, Jack Jones Literary Arts, Broadway Advocacy, and The Right of Return USA. Their work is featured or forthcoming in Adroit, American Poetry Review, The Cincinnati Review, Ecotone, Huff Post, Long Reads, Palette Poetry, Poetry Magazine, The Rumpus, Slate, Texas Observer, Vita Review, Yale Review, and others. Felita says, I chose these poems because they have little bits of my rituals inside of them. Felita will talk more about ritual at the end of their reading. The Birth Mother's Red Bath for Courage With spoiled milk seeping from its many small brown mouths, my body twitched loose the dead skin snaked around it, dripped runes in the doorway, heaved bullet after bullet into the tub, but did not die. There are claw marks and hot grease stains where things came through. Signature survival signs etched around my belly, at the hinge and the crevices, all of it evidence. I did give birth to something. There was a killing here of a kind. Something is lost now, something forced from a room in me, something is stifled in this body. I have become a deconstructed basket of rose-colored towels singing on the hospital's floor. Some nights, I think this body must still be calling out to the child that tore through it are trying to forgive itself, forgiving itself over to the strange and inconvenient truth that not all mothers are mothers. Some mothers are war, an enemy 
of their own desires, some mothers are graveyards. A field of want buried beneath other fields of want. Some nights, I think this body must still be praying to a God that has long since slithered away. Photo of X, 1997, Something Not Right, Fort Hood, Texas. I had been wondering if I was a girl or a boy, I just broken, reaching down into myself with a marker. Fix yourself. Mama found me nagging a dictionary and she came, a yawning beluga well, self-launched into the air, her nightdress, a white flame pushed up against the flaps of her breast. Mama came for me. Her lopsided curls, garden snakes unraveling as she flew from my door to myself and the puddle I made with my questions on the floor. She screeched and a leather face like a strip of land kissed my neck, assaged my back, bitter, tight, nicked the peach behind my knee, my skin hushed itself into a hum of red, and it was the first time I considered bleeding beautiful. I said, fix yourself. But she had to know there was no fixing myself now. coded binaries for the work of my wayward body which is not myself but is a vestigial structure they have determined that I am confused or upset with my mother angry with my father and so fuck him has become a man sinking inside of another man whose body whistles like mine has become a disciple's daughter praising the work of another woman who may or may not be another woman who could be a whirlpool of memory dressed as a woman i've become a station of ideas salivating between the legs, a fat-handled tool, combing seasons, dragging flesh from one shore to the next, picking out reasons to live after all that was done to make me anything else but real. I am the shadow trailing the core of time, half alive with the wonder of love in all its forms. My father wished me son, and so I was. My mother wished me wise, and so I was. I wished me whole and here, and so I am. Asterisk of the sun, hyphen of the moon, a wolf in couture and candlelight, running between the slack of their body, summoning God with wrist and weight, my mouth and mewing. Had my love been a single digit. It would have settled in as dust upon the altar. But instead, it burns and burns as wick, hotter and hotter. So I chose these poems because they have like little bits of um, my actual rituals inside of them. 
the birth mother's red bath for courage is based off of the actual red bath for courage, which is a spell that can be done by hoodoo priestesses. Um, it's a bath. That's the color red that you do before you get pumped up for something. And I wanted to talk about the birth of my biological child and what it was like to know like immediately after the birth that I wasn't going to raise this child, but to be trying to take care of myself in the hours after the birth. So literally being stuck in the bathroom and dealing with all the aftermath and learning <laughs> what happens, you know, to your body, your body is completely different now. Um, and how I literally in the hours after her, uh, after her birth, she was in a completely different room with her parents and it was just me in the bathroom by myself taking care of things. And so this is kind of what came through because you're very emotional, obviously, uh, during that time. And when it comes to the coded binaries and to the poem before that, you know, <laughs> I was questioning things a long time ago and questioning whether or not I was uh, femme or mask, whether or not I was a boy or a girl. And um, my mama did not like that at all. And she tried to whip it out of me. And my dad, you know, he wanted a boy. And I'm the, the eldest of my four sisters. And so I just always kind of felt like I was the bridge between two worlds. And how I identify now when it comes to my gender as a non-binary femme is very much reflective of the questions I've always had about myself. <laughs> um, the last part of the coded binaries is an actual spell in and of itself. But it's more like a spell of praise to myself as the root of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And so um, it's in praise of the self at the end there. Thanks. Dorothea Lasky is the author of six books of poetry and prose, including Animal. She teaches poetry at Columbia University School of the Arts and lives in New York City. Dorothea says, My favorite ritual involves taking endless naps and walks and then spraying new mixes of scents everywhere before writing. This ritual is my greatest luxury and hasn't happened in so many years, but I am hoping it will again one day soon. Hello, my name is Dorothea Lasky. And I am going to be reading three poems for the Congress of the Spirits Poetry Ritual and Performance. They are from a new book that I'm working on. And the first one is called The Hunters Enter the Scene. The day cast a spell whereby ascending so many stones, I could not leave the center garden where my children lay. Muttering about the hell mouth where a muscular sense of heaven, the bright depressive colors kept me tacked to a wall. In the space of the poem, the dogs will eat the unicorns with their placid gore, calm and sure of themselves like time. Where the bishop with half his body missing holds his right hand, perhaps in something like a peace sign. I asked my lover where did the left go and tell him I love him. His own head is rounded with grotesque metals, his soul a colorless glass. He has conquered his religion with three inward fires and when he sits in the room fits the figure of a king. 
He is a man of sorrows made of ferns and tiny succulents, made of wood in the shape of fabric, made of marble in the shape of wood. In him I remember another taking me to the olive tree in the western arboretum, he and his mathematics, the refinement of stars, where I thought of the ancient story where the two lovers turned into stars, where I imagined a sort of magic of becoming an olive tree for all eternity. For my king, could I be more loving? I bring him my sour oranges, piling and heaping orange fruit all over my body draping russet red cloth over my endless hair, anointing my body with figs, all just to make him love me. Burning what is between us into smoking angry holes, his beard no longer red and gray, but jove-like and neon green. My love, he sits in tiny furs, holding two cream serpents. They form a crown around him, and I kneel forever and kiss his crown. What is life but an endless purple fire? I draw my sword up into the air. It's hard to admit cosmic love. If only he let himself be free. The Ballet The dancers in a terribly bright light blue gauze retain the mystery. Skating on a lake, blue and ice, an illusory time where poetry feels inevitable. The terrific clown who lies inside every blue dress, does he see me? Always a star, always a root, horrible auras at the door. But no matter where we start, it all ends in an ocean, hard and fast on the approaching blue dawn. Until then, a deep, low whisper. What is language anyway? An ending that never happens. The weather. We never thought it was the weather that wasn't going to be okay and instead worried about the bombs or our ice cream. We didn't think everything could melt like this, but it did and so quickly. I didn't think the baby would leap out of the bed when I had done everything to keep him bundled, but it happened right before my eyes. They all said it's your fault, so I apologized as much as possible. No one knew now, but I'd been apologizing since I'd been born. There's a lot to be sorry for, like this poem. I tried to stop myself from writing it, but it's not poetry that's the problem. And when I saw that I'd always be alone, I ask the snow to keep on falling, but I am the kind of person who can't control everything. The earth landed on its head and scurried away from us, and everything fell into a kind of hell of bright colors. We just want to thank everyone for sharing this space with us and to remind you that if you loved these writers, we really encourage you to seek out their amazing work in other places. So please check out the links in the show notes. Yeah. <gasps> I'm so happy. 